I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to a brand new Nerd Alert. Today, we are going to get down and dirty. We are going to get into the nuts and bolts and the warts and all. Today, we are going to flip this thing over and see what the undercarriage looks like. We are going to take a long, hard look at the state of modern gaming. But before I do that, let me introduce the people that are going to help me break down the ups and downs, the good trends, the bad trends, and everything in between. Ladies and gentlemen, first up. My right-hand man, the man who keeps the nerd in the top nerdy TV network. He's here to learn you something, whether you want to or not. Please welcome to the bridge, Commander Scott. So I saw something today that made me chuckle. It brought a little bit of hope back into my life for the world. Oh, we can we can dash that. Oh, I'm sure the masses will <laughs> before too long. Uh, so there's a there's a film festival that is held every year in Austin, Texas. Uh, called Fantastic Fest. It was founded in 2005 uh, by a gentleman named Tim League, uh, who, I guess, uh, created Alamo Drafthouse Cinemas and Harry Knowles from Ain't It Cool News. I don't think we're allowed to talk about Harry Knowles anymore. I don't know. I don't know who he is. I've never heard his name until (laughs) 20 minutes ago. Okay. But anyway, um, Fantastic Fest. Yes. Uh, on April 6th, 2009, attendees of Fantastic Fest, I don't know if I, I don't know if all of them, but, uh, were to be, uh, given a little bit of a treat because in just a few short months, the, uh, world premiere of the 2009 Star Trek movie would be occurring, um, I think Australia, but um, don't quote me on that. And there was supposed to be a screening of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, with never-before-seen never footage, followed by a 10-minute preview of the 2009 Star Trek movie. Okay? Mm-hmm. So everybody gets into the theater, and everybody does their thing, and um, the movie starts up, the credits roll, they get about 10 lines of dialogue into the movie and the movie starts to mess up. Great, great green lines. The movie just goes off the rails, right? 
Mm-hmm. The audience didn't know this was planned. This was part of the thing because the, the treat wasn't Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. So when they bring the house lights up and one of the persons goes to quote unquote try to fix this, he, he, he tells his other people, y'all need to figure out a way to stall for time. Well, just so happens that a special guest had dropped by for this this screening that nobody knew about and Leonard Nimoy walked in from the side door where they had him stashed, you know. Mm-hmm. And he had an impromptu Q&A and everything. And he also had another surprise for them. In lieu of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan messing, quote-unquote, messing up, he had brought the entirety of the 2009 Star Trek film with him. Mm-hmm. So they got to see it. They got a sneak preview six months ahead of time. That is not the interesting thing that, that popped <laughs> okay. That, that 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 popped into it. That that that's the prelude. Uh, okay. To, to what made me chuckle and giggle, and I now have a new reason to go to Austin, Texas. Apparently, outside that stage door, there is now a plaque on the on the on the wall, the outside wall of the uh, uh, Alamo Drafthouse Cinema, and it says, "On this spot, I'm sorry, on this very spot." On April 6th, 2009, while waiting to treat an audience to a surprise world premiere of Star Trek, Leonard Nimoy urinated. He did not want to risk ruining the surprise by using the public toilet, so he graciously relieved himself behind the cover of a parked car. Thus, it is logical that his bodily fluids hereby consecrate this ground forever as a holy shrine. If I know all it took to get you to Austin was a plaque about Leonard Nimoy. I want to visit that plaque. <laughs> I want to visit the Alamo Draft House. Yeah, I mean, if if, if if you think something's cooler than that plaque, sure, fine. I guess that runs a close <laughs> second. Sorry. My mistake. I always thought that was at the uh, the button Numathon that did that. Maybe it was the sequel that did that. Because it could have... I might be I might, might be confusing a couple of different events. I thought they had Pine and Quinto out to do that, but maybe I'm thinking of something else. I don't know. I'm just going by the information I have here. I yeah. yeah. have to go to uh, go to Austin so we can see. I want to meet an audience once where something cool like that happens. Yeah, people who were at the premiere for the new Indiana Jones last week got a surprise concert from um, John Williams. Oh, nice! The entire movie screen pulled up. It was Spielberg and and uh, Lucas and uh, Harrison Ford and much other people. And uh, uh, Spielberg was like, "Yeah, there, there's there's one other person without whom none of this would be possible." John Williams and people started clapping. Yeah, yeah. And he said, "So let's thank him in person." And the whole screen came up, and John Williams is there with the entire freaking orchestra. That shit never happens to me. Don't go to premieres. I guess so. I go to every premiere. I'm going to the premiere tomorrow. It's just no. it's the premiere at my theater. See, my, my theater never does anything cool like that. We don't, we don't have world premieres. We don't go to world premieres. Oh, okay. Okay. Start fixing that then. Speaking of world premieres, the man who has the ability to go anywhere anytime he wants, perhaps via a DeLorean, perhaps 
a phone box? I'm not entirely sure. He won't tell us. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us from somewhere in time and space, it's the Doc. I should reach DEFCON 1 and release my missiles in 28 hours. Would you like to see some projected kill ratios? 69% of the housing destroyed, 72 million people dead. How about a nice game game What's the difference? No, how about a nice game of chess? Chess. I think the first time he wants to play... The first time he wants to play thermonuclear warfare, I think he says checkers. Okay. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. I thought it was tic-tac-toe. He he stumps them at the end. At the end, yeah, it's tic-tac-toe. Yeah, he uses tic-tac-toe to teach him that he can't win, that there is no winning in this game. Because then he switches from tic-tac-toe to thermonuclear warfare and, like, goes through all the... Uh, outcomes and conventions and all that other made-up stuff. Good times. Thanks, Joshua. Or, no, Would you're you the like whopper. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. That's the best intentional joke ever. Our supercomputer, we call it the whopper. Okay, but hey, hello. Yeah, yeah, you you, you dropped out there for about. 10 oh, seconds. okay. Yeah, yeah you there? See, I didn't hear. I didn't hear anything you said. Yeah, we okay. we, heard, we we heard. Yeah, it was the most unintentional joke ever. We call it the WAP. Okay. You just went silent. <laughs> okay. It was the most unintentional joke ever. It's a, hey, here's our super awesome military supercomputer. We call it the Whopper. That hasn't aged well. Do they have a portable one called the Whopper Junior? Uh, I'm told you can customize it now. You can, in fact, have it your way. Mm. But, but thank you, Jay, for bringing it. As long as it's flame broiled. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You got to have a flame broiled Whopper. Or not? You got to keep. You got to make sure you keep your Whopper cool so it doesn't become a flame broiled Whopper. You wouldn't want that. Uh, thank you for bringing up gaming, Jay, because that is our topic today, um, sparked by just life in general, uh, a general sense of cantankerousness amongst the uh, hosts of this show, because we're old, damn it. Uh, in fact, we, we're, we're old enough to remember and have been around for maybe not all of, but a damn good chunk of the entire evolution of gaming as we know it. I mean, we're old enough to remember arcades. Yeah. Jay, you and I were there in like the second age of arcades. We kind of missed that whole 70s, 80s vibe before it crashed in like 85 or whatever. But Scott was around for all that. Scott played Atari. ColecoVision. You you did? I thought you did. I never, never had a ColecoVision. Okay. The first thing I started on was the Commodore 64. There you go. First thing I played games on. That's like Gen 1 home console, kids. Uh, and then we were there, of course, to the console wars in the 90s. We remember Sega and Nintendo, you know, because Sega does what Nintendo don't, remember? Uh, 
such 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 a viciousness of two gaming companies you know uh we even remember back when if you wanted to connect your computers together and play you had to do it through a LAN connection because the internets didn't exist yet or at least not for us us normal civilians i remember all kinds of weekends where we would uh where i'd take take my computer unhook everything transfer the transport the the big crt monitor and my full tower and keyboard and everything uh to a friend's house and we'd all hook up to a to a uh, to a at first to um uh to a hub which of course is a layer one device but ultimately we graduated to a switch and we would have you know all night land parties uh and such playing uh, doom 2 and uh that was fun um, and then of course quake came out and uh Oh, hell, un- Unreal. We play Unreal tournaments and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, land parties were great. We should have land parties. We should start doing <laughs> Well, those were the good old days because the internet came along and changed everything. Yeah, I, better. I don't even think I don't even think PCs have towers anymore unless it is an actual gaming computer. Yeah, it's hard to find a tower unless you, like you say, you build it from the ground up to be a gaming gaming machine. Yeah, yeah, Scott. You kids nowadays in your uh, internet, Wi-Fi enabled Nintendo Switches. Scott had to carry like three major appliances to somebody <laughs> else's house. I did just to play co-op. I did. It was great. Uh, Although I did have, I did have. There was, I, I had one friend in his, in his apartment. He had two machines in his apartment that were networked, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything. And I went over to the house once. It was. I think it was when when Unreal Tournament came out. He's like, "Hey, you want to come over and play?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And he had him he had him set up, and I forget what was going on, but for some odd reason, because he had a small apartment, he had them both of them were on the kitchen table, like you know, like right next to each other. And so we're we're playing. Of course, it's just he and I. It's just two of us, and uh, we're playing. <laughs> and he would. He would spawn, and I'd run over and kill him. He'd spawn, I'd run over and kill him. This happened four or five times. He's like, good Lord, how are you finding me so fast? And I'm like, well, I've memorized the level. It's not that big of a level. You know? He's like, yeah, but how do you know where I'm spawning? And I just looked at him like he was stupid, and I'm like, I'm looking at your screen, dude. <laughs> it's 18 inches from me. Ah, screen watching. Hey, that's the if you're stupid enough to have your screen facing me, it's your own damn fault. I wasn't hiding my screen. He could screen watch, too. There was always the biggest argument when playing, like, GoldenEye with four people. It was like, oh, you're watching my screen. Well, yeah, you're all on the yeah. same TV. Yeah. I, oh, I hated, hated split-screen multiplayer. Still hate split-screen multiplayer. And I cannot stand GoldenEye. On N64. Hate that. Strong words. But I also hate strong words. I also hate N64. So. Well, you're dumb. So that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Shitty. Uh, that's the story of Scott and the angry 18 inches. Yeah. Um, but no, so that's uh, look, that's all in the past. Those are the good old days. Uh, we're here to talk about the state of modern gaming. At the time of this recording, 2023. 
Uh, what are the trends we like? What are the ones we hate? What are the ones we want to see disappear and never come back? What are some we wish would come back? That's what we're here to talk about today. Because um, recently we all picked up and started playing uh, the newest version of a favorite game of ours, Diablo 4. It's now available for purchase. Uh, we're not being played by Blizzard Activision to say that, but we would take money if they want to give it to us. Uh, we will sell out. Uh, and and, and it, it, while setting the game up and, and playing the game, there's that usual adjustment period of playing a new game. Diablo 3 has been out for 12 years. We're very used to Diablo 3. Now we're playing Diablo 4. But it's kind of highlighted some uh, idiosyncrasies of, of modern gaming. And, and a few things in particular I know Jay is anxious to to get to so uh let's just jump right in and uh jay since this is what inspired this whole story what grinds your gears about modern gaming i just i hate that it all has to be online like every, like everything has to be online and it's not just diablo 4 it's like a lot of the new games um unlike you guys i play a lot of sports games too so like mm-hmm. i play mlb the show um madden um i play nhl um like i said a lot of i play a lot of sports games too but they're as interconnected as um like diablo 4 is and i just it just doesn't make sense to me that everything has to be online especially in diablo 4 that the campaign is all open world like mmo style online and I never played World of Warcraft, but I feel like it's very similar to like what World of Warcraft was or still is. Is it still a thing? It is. Do people still play it? They do. No. But it's just that that aspect of it. Like if I want to campaign by myself, like I just want to be the only dude running around out there and like trying to play through the campaign if i want to campaign with my friends then you know i'll get on and invite them to my party so that we can campaign together but this doesn't i mean it does and doesn't have that aspect uh and that's it's just something that i don't understand with games just to be clear jay's not talking about and correct me if i'm wrong here jay but you're not talking about online multiplayer like we're not talking Call of Duty where you jump on and hook up with your friends and go play a game. You're talking about just a standard game, like MLB the Show, a baseball game. You're playing a baseball simulator. That's online. Yeah. So like, so to describe MLB the Show, so like, you can still do a franchise. You can create your own franchise, and you can play that. But there is an online and offline mode for the franchise. Same with Madden you can put your franchise online or offline. And like, if you play your franchise online, then you can play other users online. I've never done an online franchise. I only do offline franchises because I'm like, I'm making my franchise. I just want to play the computer. Um, MLB the show has a mode. I don't know about the newest one because I have MLB the show 21. So it's a couple years old now, but they have a, a one called Road to the Show, where you create a ball player for yourself. And, like, you are that ball player and you play through a position and through seasons, signed contracts, things like that. And you only play your position and you only do your at-bats. But if 
if you don't have the internet, like if the internet's not working that day, you can't play your road to the show. Like it just won't load. <laughs> so it's stuff like that that just kind of is like, but yeah, like you said, the online multiplayer aspect. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, like the bulk of it has to be online. And I, I feel like a lot of games are switching to that. It is definitely a popular mode. Uh, and that kind of cuts to the heart of what a lot of things I imagine will be on this 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 show, our, our list of trends and things is, yeah, the, the internet, like everything else in our lives, changed everything about gaming. And not just the obvious things, like, oh, you can play, you know, deathmatch with your friends online. But it's changed, fundamentally changed the way every game is played. Uh, and, and I think most of the things, at least I know for a fact, 90% of what I have on my list can be traced back to the internet. Um, and how it's both made gaming amazing and made gaming fucking terrible at the same time. Almost simultaneously. Um, but but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Jay. It, it doesn't bother me so much, but I'm perplexed by it a lot. Um, I remember it was Destiny 2 back when I started playing that. It was like, oh, gotta be online. It's all online. I'm like, yeah, okay, but I, I, I don't want to. Yeah, you know, I don't have any friends to play with. I just wanted to clear the campaign and, and build the character. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all online. Like every every aspect of that game is online. And and if the servers are down or your power's out or your internet's glitchy, the entire game is just like, forget it, ruined, it's done. Like you can't. It's not gonna happen. Uh, and and I was like, okay, so Destiny, okay, I'll well, keep that in mind. And you know, I I picked up Destiny and enjoyed it enough. I picked up Destiny two and I liked it. I've I've got decent internet here at the house, so it, it's never really been that much of a problem. But it more and more and more games seem to go that way. And again, not just the ones that you'd think of that are like, oh, there's, I bet there's a strong multiplayer component to that. I'm sure it's online. Um, but I, I think it gets to. My biggest, and I'm sure it's on your guys' list too, or it's in your head. Um, the try to get a phrase this. The biggest issue for me, the thing that endlessly drives me crazy, and again, it goes back to well, the internet is games are no longer finished and then put out to the public. Back in the day, you, you you worked really, really long and hard to polish your game, make it as good as possible, fix all the glitches you could, and then you let that baby out into the wild, and hopefully it was a big hit, and you'd recoup your money on it and get to make a second one. That's not how gaming works anymore, because DLC, internet connectivity, we can put a game out that's only about 65% playable, ready, and promise the gamers oh don't worry we'll we'll have patches day one and then we'll get it all fixed and spend the next several months if not year plus fixing the game you already put out and charged full price for knowing full well it didn't really work yeah i'm with you on that because like a lot of that uh, like a lot of the stuff that pops up randomly on my just on my Google, like when I open up my phone and I open up Google and I scroll down, I get like headlines and articles and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it, it trends to whatever you normally look at. So like, if I look at a lot of gaming stuff, which sometimes I do just to read articles, especially when I was doing like the Diablo three seasons and figuring things out. Uh -huh. And 
it's like, oh, you know, Diablo 4 nerfs its strongest class. Or, oh, Diablo 4 released a patch to upgrade this weak class. And it's just like, why can't you just, you know, make the classes what they are to begin with? <laughs> and then... Well, and that kind of goes to the, the double-edged sword aspect of, of of being able to release a game and then patch or add additions to the game as it's live, as it's up and running. And yes, on the opposite end of one spectrum, you have we're launching a game that isn't complete and doesn't really run very well, but we'll fix it later. It's the fix it, we'll, the, we'll fix it in post of the gaming industries. Oh, we'll put, we'll put a patch out. On the other end of that spectrum is, okay, we launched the game, we thought it was good to go, we missed glitches, something happened and it's causing bad you know, issues for gamers, they can't play. Um, one story, uh, when I picked up um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, there was a day one glitch where if you didn't go to a certain place and trigger a certain story element right away when you were uh, queued to, it would gloss over that and you wouldn't be able to progress the story any further. And at that point in time, the only way to fix that glitch was to start the entire game over again and make sure you hit that story point when it uh, cued you to do it, uh, which drove me nuts because I was like two hours in at that point. And I had to give up. And granted, yeah, I'm glad I realized that when I was two hours in, not 28 hours in. But still, the fact that they were able to, that the gaming companies are able to fix things that they didn't notice when it first came out. You know, that wasn't a, back in the day, that would have been that this game is broken. You can't beat it. You know, it would have been like a, it was a Battletoads one had a level where you literally couldn't get past it because there was a glitch in the game. We can fix those things now. And again, in theory, we can add longevity to your game because we can put out new maps, new characters, new weapons, whatever. We can we can stretch the the you know again the fact that Diablo three came out twelve years ago and you can still go play it right now. That's insane. That's unheard of, man. Like, games don't have that long of a shelf life normally. Uh, look at things like uh, Fortnite or, again, Destiny 2, which has been out for like six years at this point. Like Games, when they hit and when they're done well, can get a very nice long shelf life. And we'll circle back to that later. Because we have the ability to, and I'm using air quotes here, fix the game after it's come out and we can repair it. But again, what should be a tool to, uh, to help maximize the life of this game and, and help uh, really make you feel like your $70 investment was worth it too often gets used as a crutch. Well, we have a release date. We got to hit that release date. The game's not quite done yet. Uh, drop this, drop that. We'll sell that to them later as DLC. Uh, we promised we'd have this game mode, but it's not working. So cut that out. We got to hit the release date. We'll, we'll patch all that stuff in later. And I'd like to think that's not intentional on their part, but it seems to be the way it goes. Uh, I think the biggest biggest uh, horror story is Cyberpunk 2079. And Scott, I know you picked that up, uh, but you picked it up after all the glitch stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I picked it up years after all the glitches. So when it comes to this whole trend in modern gaming, this, this doesn't really bug me that much um because i i i think at least i like to think that um the horror stories are the exceptions like 2077 was definitely a horror story of this when it released it was glitchy and buggy as hell because it was you know it was hyped uh 
and I think some of it was rushed, and it did not, uh, it didn't get the proper beta testing that it should have, and it just, it was just released with a lot of problems. And to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised it actually, uh, I'm, I'm, they stuck with the game enough to get through the bad press and get it fixed. Uh, now it's still got some glitches. It's still not perfect, but I think it's a, it, it's a fun game. Um, it, it, it's a great little RPG. Um, and uh, I say little RPG. It's not little. It's freaking complex. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so that one, um, one of the ones yeah, that, that, yeah. Th- that when, when Scott says that's the horror story, like yeah, that is the most extreme example. At one point, that game was completely taken off uh, PlayStation and Xbox Store uh, because it was it was not functional. Like they literally pulled the game from shelves uh, and from digital store because they could not support it. Yeah. Uh, it fast forward a couple of years, and things are much better. The game is up and running; it's delivering on most of its promises. Um, but yeah, th- that is definitely the, again, we're talking extremes. That is the very extreme of, uh, how this, the whole being able to patch a game later can, can be a detriment to the gaming industry. Yeah. It's, it's, it's certainly not every case. No. I think a more mediocre case would be like, um, the, the Avengers game that, uh, Commander Scott and I played and I enjoyed for the most part. Personally, I, I don't I don't see what happened with the Avengers game as you know the horror story of development or anything. I literally think the, the this is my personal. Keep in mind, I'm prefacing this with no actual expertise or knowledge. Uh, this is just complete speculation on my part, grounded in no reality whatsoever. Um, but uh, that that felt to me like a mismanagement of the game more than more than the uh, coding of it and everything like literally the it, it felt like the people behind that game looked at at all of the the stuff that uh, uh jay you were you were lamenting earlier like uh you know the the battlefront the the, the microtransaction stuff you know like literally it felt like the powers that be wait you know we really need to cash in on this microtransaction thing let's just let's just push all of that let's go to all of that because like when that game first started, you know, you've you've got skins and stuff that you can buy online, which which I this this I call the 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 Fortnite phenomenon, you know, all the skins and stuff. And I can't say anything because I bought quite a few Iron Man armors uh, and stuff. And uh, but um, you could there were so many that you could unlock. Some of them you could you could you could buy with the the in game currency. Now you could buy more in-game currency for real money, obviously, because mm-hmm. they're not going to—they're not going to leave that off the table. Um, but there were, there were, you know, like plans and stuff. Like you could, you could earn, you could find these playing the game, and that didn't last long. No. And the reason that didn't last long is because people were complaining that they had to play the game to get the skins. They're like, why can't I just buy the skins? And finally, they just abandoned it and said, all right, you want them, you buy them. That's fine. We'll, we'll switch to that model. Um, so, yeah, while it is frustrating that a lot of the gaming, modern gaming, is moving to this style of presentation and everything, there's a reason for it. It's because of demand. 
we may not like to admit it, but the demand is there for this style, these microtransactions, these, these you know, let, let us pay to buy our skins. Let us, the people in mass want it. I was just referring to when the game launched, we were told there'll be new characters every month for the next six months. And the next big story will be coming in so many months. Their, their entire roadmap for post-launch support uh, was a fucking joke. It took them two years, maybe a little over, to deliver what they said would be out within the first six months of that game. And I don't disagree with you. There was definitely fan demand and definitely lots of bitching about why don't we have MCU skins when it launched. But uh, I think their decision to move all the skins behind the paywall was much more motivated by, fuck, uh, we've got to stretch this thing out and make some money off this game because none of the stuff we promised is coming out on time and the game's going to die. Which is sadly exactly what happened. By the time they got all that stuff out and delivered on what they said they'd deliver on, the game was dead. The community needed to support it was gone. Because they, they kept nickel and diving and piecemealing stuff out that should have come out months, if not years previous. And, and again, that, that may be more on the, the planning on their part of, okay, again, the game's about 60% done. Just launch it. We'll fix it later. Um, we'll, we'll sell everything to them later. But the, uh, the whole online tra- transaction thing, that, that leads us to a whole different topic, which I'm happy to go into. Because, uh, boy, don't you love jumping onto a game and instantly getting microtransactions? I love microtransactions. I think they're great. It's a wonderful plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're great when handled appropriately. Um, so, like, uh, uh, Diablo 4, I'll swing it back to that. Um the stuff you can buy in the shop is purely cosmetic. It changes the appearance of a weapon or of a, a suit of armor or whatever. Um, it's not paying to get a souped-up weapon or a crazy OP suit of armor or a faster mount. or you know, Those are the kinds of transactions I like, where it's like, hey... Um, here's this cool thing you can put on your game, or just you know, cool gamer tag you can get, and give us you know two bucks, and we'll let you have it. You know, those kind of things. Okay, sure, fine. But again, slippery slope of gaming. What should be a win-win should be a win for the gaming company because they can sell us a full-price game and then stretch the life of it out and keep nickel and diming a little bit more out of us each time, like Marvel. Yeah, eventually had to pay like $9.99 to unlock the new characters' uh, progression to get all their unlockables. You had to pay to get all that stuff. So, yeah, I paid full price for the game up front. And then every three or four months when they would put a new character out, they'd get another 10 bucks out of me. So it should be, again, win-win. They get to stretch the game out and make more money. And we get a cool new suit or skin or whatever. Uh, again, too often gets used as... Pay to win. Hey, you want this awesome stuff? Okay, well, you can grind out and get to this level and do this side quest and defeat this boss and uh, maybe it'll drop for you. Or you can just pay us $24.99 you can have it right now. 
that breaks the game. Mm. Anything more than E? I don't know. I don't know what you mean by breaks the game. When, when you have a game where you can just the the, the pay pay to win format of and maybe maybe the apple is not the best because that's not like a pve thing but like um modern warfare here's an, grand, i was just gonna say here's an example okay modern warfare 2, right we we all okay. play it <clears throat> and you can go online and you can buy what is it cp i think the, is what they call it the game currency, currency. Whatever the currency is yeah so you can buy that and then you can use that to buy tokens for the um, seasonal stuff and unlock things. And then you can get like what I would consider a fully ranked weapon by getting those like special weapons in those categories without having to go through the time of like unlocking everything yourself by leveling up the weapon. Yeah. And like, I think what John's saying is that that is takes away the the joy of the gaming okay i don't i don't personally see that um uh, i've i mean yeah i've been in matches where a player usually has a good skin or something and they're dominating the match but they're also like uber level so they probably play you know hundreds of hours at a time and maybe have great aftermarket controllers that have programmable hot switches and shit and and stuff like that. I, I mean, I, I don't see... Yeah, pay to, pay to win sucks if you're not going to pay to win, but once again, it's... I don't know. I, I don't see it as breaking the game. Because well, I, I understand that going in, that I'm, I'm in this environment. Where it breaks the game and doesn't just make it unfair is when those things are only behind the paywall. Uh, there's no other way to get that item or whatever it is other than going and buying in the store. If there's some other progression, like uh, Predator Hunting Grounds was, was pretty good about balancing this. Every so often, they'd put out a new Predator, and it would come with a new weapon and a new skin. But eventually, that weapon would go free to every player. So say the when the samurai predator dropped and you got the cool samurai sword for I forget what the window was but for x number of weeks you had to purchase the samurai predator pack to get that weapon. The skin was just cosmetic but the weapon was the thing. But eventually after whatever it was 4 or 6 weeks that weapon went to everybody. So if you bought it you might get a little head start but eventually that went to everybody. So it did eventually level out the playing field again. Uh, until the next thing came out and the new weapon came out and you could purchase. It was, it was essentially early access to the weapon, not the only way to get it. Where it breaks the game is when that's the only way you can get that item is to buy it. Because then it creates a completely uneven playing field. <coughs> now, we're men of a certain age and have X amount of disposable income and it might not break my bank to go spend 9 or 10 or $25 to go buy a thing online for the game I play. But that is not representative of everybody. And that's when the game gets broken, is whoever spent the most money has the best stuff, and skill doesn't matter. Your, your talent, your investment in the game doesn't matter unless it's investment in terms of dollars. That's when it breaks the game. If that makes sense. Uh, I, I, 
I guess. I mean, I see the point. I, I just don't. I don't look at it quite that way. Because, and and this is something to me. It's like, so let's say I let's say Call of Duty comes out. And I, I play Call of Duty. I, I hop on, and I quickly, you know, I, you know, they're they're like, oh, you know, here's whatever, you know awesome weapon or whatever but the only people who can get it are the people who play it or pay for it and i choose not to pay for it or i can't pay for it well then you know there's no reason for me to play the game anymore so me personally i would just stop playing the game i i, I don't know i don't i don't know how else to like if i choose to play the game the broken game I'm, it's still a choice Right. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Stuff like this doesn't really bother me that much. Okay. I I don't know. It's just, I I just take it for granted, not granted. I just take it for, you know, uh, as, as, as an axiom that this is, this is what I'm dealing with now. So I just do it. Okay, well, here's something that grinds my gears, and I think this will piss you off too, Scott. Okay, sure. Why is it so goddamn complicated to add someone to my friends list? Yeah. Look at you, Spirits Unleashed and Diablo Four. Yeah, this this one th- th- this is something that is yeah I I would agree this is something that needs to be fixed, and this is this is where we're dealing with situations where we're going to go back to the whole, everything is, is moving to online mm-hmm. and online communities is that before we're having a, before, you know, I mean that by like years ago, whatever, whatever, um, you would just have your friends on PlayStation or Xbox and that was it. But now all these companies, you know, like EA sports, and whoever the hell, I don't know, the publishers now have their own social online presence stuff. And it's like now not only do you have to have your friends in your PlayStation friend list, but no, now you have to create your profile with the publishers stuff. You have to link those and then you have to go invite friends on those because they're pushing their own online social agenda and they don't talk to each other well, and it makes it overly complicated. And I do agree, this is something that can be annoying as fuck. When Spirits Unleashed launched, and I love this game, I really do, uh, No Shit took me 90 minutes to go through the entire process just to add, was it you and Flanagan as friends? Yeah. Because I had to stop playing the game, Yeah. get up, turn on my PC, Go to whatever service it was, make an account, yep. find you, send you a friend request on that account, wait for you to accept it, go yep. back to my console, turn the console back on, reboot the game, link that account to my PS Gaming account. Yeah. And 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 that was because that was primarily because of cross platform. Yes. If it's just you and I playing, Spirits Unleashed was fine just to handle it all through PlayStation. But the minute you go cross platform, all bets are off. Like it goes. So Here's the problem with that, though. Destiny Two is cross-platform, and I've never had that much of an issue. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying there's not a better way to do it. I'm, okay. I'm saying that, yeah, Spirits Unleashed. They, they just have a shitty, shitty. They had a shitty infrastructure. 
Um, and I had almost as bad a time on not quite to that extreme, but Diablo Four when me and you, and you first started playing, we were literally standing next to each other in town, and my social screen didn't show you at all. I went to my PlayStation friends; it didn't show you at all. Yeah, that one. That one was. I, I, I had to have you read off your whatever it was Battle Pass Network gamer name. Read it off to me to type it in my account to then have the game recognize you were standing right next to me. Yeah. Uh, I know that that stuff annoys me too. It's, it's it's annoying, and it's it's because of different systems talking to each other uh, and everything. the 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 first time when, when Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, when I first got that, you know, uh, it was I forget who it was. It was it was myself, uh, Travis. I forget. I think it was Jeremiah. I don't know if you were there or not. And we were playing. We were playing for quite a while because we were all on PlayStation. It was good, but then. Like a bunch of Travis's like nieces and nephews uh, hopped on at like eleven o'clock at night, and you know, and they're all on different things. So it all went cross-platform, and there's like nine of us on cross-platform, and everybody's chatting at once. And the chat, like, we had to go to in-game chat instead of just PlayStation chat because of cross-platform, and like the the uh, uh, the compression protocols amongst all those. Like the chat quality went to complete shit. I couldn't hear half of what anybody was saying. People were cutting out, talking over one another. It was bad. Not to mention the fact that I'm playing with, you know, a bunch of uh, teeny boppers. I say teeny boppers, even though they're in their mid twenties. But I'm old and curmudgeon now. And they're yes. like, "Oh, it's my DoorDash. DoorDash. It's 11:30 at night. What the hell are you doing eating at 11:30 at night? It's a Saturday, Scott, and I'm a grown ass man." Oh, you were talking about me. Sorry, sorry, never mind. Sorry, I got defensive. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> eat at a normal time. You know, I mean, geez, come on. Sorry, my bad. Damn it. <clears throat> it was bad. Mistakes were made. Yeah. Well, I don't want to sit here and do shit on modern gaming all night because there are some things. Again, the, the, this whole internet thing is is a double-edged sword there are some really cool things that come with internet enabled games uh okay uh i'm gonna throw one out that i can't believe i enjoy as much as i do because i am a curmudgeon as well i am a very finicky uh and sister of of physical media but goddamn, do i love digital games I know it makes no sense. I put out as a movie, you know, I thumb my nose up to you if, if I can't go buy the Blu-ray. But and I think the pandemic got me really spoiled. Just oh yeah, I'll buy that right now and I'll start downloading it. Here we go. I hate myself for enjoying it as much as I do. Um, I don't mind the fact that you can get digital games and that you can download them and play instantly. Like I have several games like that, but. Uh, one thing I have found with that is, again, if you don't have internet connection, sometimes I can't play those games. So, like, for example, uh, MLB The Show 21, I downloaded because it was on sale. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love baseball games. And anytime our internet is out at the apartment, I can't load it. Like, it'll just sit at the loading screen mm. and just won't go. 
Okay, I must have missed something. I thought we were done with the shitting on gaming thing. <laughs> Double-edged sword. We're taking it from both sides here. The mm. convenience factor of being able to sit on your couch and download a game while you play another game. That's awesome. Yeah, like, like I was literally... I. The one day I was looking on PlayStation Network and in the store, I think while another game was updating and I just happened to be scrolling through the deals and that's when I found Ace Combat, the Top Gun edition. And it was normally $100 and I bought it for like less than half that. So I was like, heck yeah, I'm going to get this deal. So yeah, I enjoy that factor of it. Something uh, else I okay, go ahead, Scott. Oh. Yeah, but you know, the the other end of that is, you know, whenever you download games straight to the computer uh, computer, which it is a computer, but straight to the to the console or whatever. Uh now I don't have the option, you know, a year from now, you know, whatever to go to GameStop and sell that game to GameStop for 75 cents. You got 75 cents? Wow. Uh, was it rare? Or it was, yeah. It was a special edition, you know, um, game of the year edition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just meant that as a joke, literally. No, like, hey, look, again, we're, we're here to talk ups and downs. Like, I was a guy who, again, for the longest time was was physical media only, and I still am with a lot of stuff. But for some reason, video games I kind of budged on. And I think Pandemic was part of that because it's like, well, I could figure out how to get to GameStop and go through social distancing protocols, or I could sit right here and just download it. Let's just do that. Um, but I, I was the guy that would, I, I, hey, a game's coming out. Okay, what have I not played for a while? Let's grab that. Let's grab that. Yeah, I might not get more than 15, 20 bucks for trading in a handful of games towards the purchase of a new game. But hey, that that takes money off the purchase of that new game. You know, it helps, helps uh, when you're balling on a budget, it helps grease those wheels a bit. And I used to, you know, Whitney especially used to love it because I'd go trade in three or four games and come home with one. It doesn't happen anymore now. Now they just accumulate. But uh, but they're digital now, uh, and I don't. I can't explain it. I can't. I really can't because I I hate digital. On you know, oh, I buy digital comics or uh, get, I I have a I have that I own that movie. It's on Netflix. Like I, I hate that shit. It's like nails well, on a chalkboard to me. So it, the 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 whole debate on physical media versus digital and everything is is probably a, a topic unto itself, and could have a decent discussion on. Just saying. Yeah. Well, I just want to point out there, 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 in addition to the convenience factor, something else that um, uh, digital gaming allows is for years when it came to consoles, the one of the biggest selling points, at least for me, would always be when a new console comes out, is it backwards compatible? Can I keep my existing game library for PS2 when played on PS3? You know, stuff like that. Now with digital gaming everything's kind of backwards compatible. It might not be available yet because we, we might not have it coded and, and put up on the store for you to download yet. But in theory, with that advent, everything's backwards compatible. now, And that's awesome. Apparently, I don't want to have an opinion about that. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't have a new enough game system to worry about backwards compatibility yet. Well, 
backwards compatibility is all well and good. And, and and I always, you know, like going into PS5 and stuff, I was like, oh, cool, I can keep this, 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 and this. Yeah, it's great. How many of those have I played? Oh, none. So, once again, I, I don't know. It, it's, it, it's a great idea, but I've never really gone back and played anything earlier because I now have the new stuff to play. And that's, you know, I mean, eh. Like right now, the only thing that I have that I even have a desire to go back and play again would be um, shit. That one game, uh, Black Flag. Ah, uh, uh, yes, that one game. One game, yeah. No, uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. That's only because whenever I get an itch to have you know some some uh, some you know Age of Fighting sale ship combat uh, and stuff, which the controls on that were really great for. that Horatio Hornblower game comes out. You know what? We need a good <laughs> Horatio Hornblower game. Uh, either that or I mean, yeah, if you, if you took a Horatio Hornblower and a Jack Aubrey like that kind of thing and you made it into a campaign where you could, you know, come up through the ranks of the, uh, like the British Royal Navy or the French Navy or the Spanish Navy during the uh, uh, the French Revolution War of 1812 era uh, and, and such, you know, you're a frigate captain and you're out there and you're, or you're coming up through the ranks on a frigate, you know. Uh, you're a frigate captain? No, no, frigate. Frigate. Oh. Frigate. Um, you know, a good fifth rate, uh, fourth rate frigate, something like that. Uh, um, build up your ship, build up your crew, you know, patrolling the English Channel during the War of 1812 era of the French Revolution. God, that would be so much fun. Like like the game Pirates. Pirates. Sid, you're talking about Sid Sid Meier's Pirates? Pirates. It was on... Um, I know for sure it was on Sega Genesis. And I think it was on NES... Or uh, Super NES. Um, so basically, you are a, a buccaneer back in the day. And you get to pick the era in which you're living. Like the... Like the dawn of the buccaneers, you know, the the golden age of piracy, the the end of piracy, things like that. And then you created yourself, and and then um, it was like uh, you got like a little tiny ship that uh-huh. sailed around a map, uh-huh. and then you could ha- do ship to ship combat. So like uh-huh. your guy up in the mast in the crow's nest would be like. Uh, ship ship ho or whatever and then you'd get closer it was, it's a fun game i had it on an emulator and i played it a lot actually on my computer when i didn't have much else to do yeah uh I, I, so i never played the snes or anything but there was there was a game called sid meyer's pirates which did a lot of what you're talking about and it might not it might have been a port of of, of that game and there's been two or two or three of them and yeah they were always very fun games and i love those games um, but yeah, I mean, that would be, you know, great where you, you're the pirate and you, you build up your own pirate thing. Now, one thing that personally gets me while I'm fine with that stuff, I, I like age of fighting sail because I like, I like the ships and I like the sailing, uh, and everything. But every time a game goes into that era, it immediately goes to pirates. 
And that irks me a little bit. You know? I want some British Navy. I want some I want some US Navy. I want some, you know, I want I want navies, not just pirates, not the not the whole golden age of piracy romance thing. I want I want some down and dirty press gang, you know, people depressed with their lives, you know, singing a, sh- a sea shanty. Uh, and if they don't Dude. sing loud enough, I get to whip them. You know, that's... There you go, Scott. Develop a game where you start as, like, a depressed um, sailor with scurvy on, in, like, the British or American Navy, and then you work your way up to being a captain with scurvy and syphilis. Well, well, um, the idea of being press ganged into service and working your way to captain is probably far fetched. I mean, if usually if you're going to be a captain of the British Navy in this time, you you probably had to start uh, as like you know nine to twelve years old uh, 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 and stuff, and and be schooled as an officer coming up through the ranks, um, like but, master and commander. Yeah, Master and Commander, I love that movie. Uh, it's a combination of a couple of different books in the Aubrey series, but I do love that movie, yeah. Sorry, anyway. Sorry, sorry, John, we were talking about modern gaming. My bad. No, we were talking about the Age of Fighting Sail. Yes, oh. yes. Mm-hmm. And this is something we need to talk about. Because it doesn't get talked about nearly enough. You should pitch it as an idea. See, but then the problem is that, like, you'd get this online community and, like, you'd have to recruit from the online community to get your crew. And you'd have, like, some some guy on your crew named, like, 420 Weed Lover 69, you know. Well, actually, it's funny you mention that because there is a game on Xbox and it really pisses me off that it's an Xbox exclusive that is exactly what you're talking about. It, it already exists. Um, is that the one with the kind of wonky graphics? Yeah, it has more cartoony graphics. Uh, yeah, I see that a lot on TikTok with like huge guns, like the like your bluster, yeah, your blunderbuss is like giant. Yeah, like sea cartoony of looking. Yeah, what sea, is it? Sea of Thieves. That's it. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is a completely online game, um, where it, it's it's piracy and stuff where you. You can get a ship and you can take a ship out, but your ship is crewed by other players. Um, it, it can be. It's it's very fun if you have a core group of people that you play with. If you're just going on by yourself, trying to do stuff by yourself, it sucks balls because you can't do anything by yourself in this game. And I don't want to talk to strangers. Now, that's something in modern gaming that really, you know, kind of, of, of upsets me is that it wants everybody to be buddy-buddy, you know, and chat and talk. I don't want to be buddy-buddy. I don't want to chat and talk with complete strangers. I just want to do my... Even if it's online, even if I'm playing Call of Duty, I, I if I'm online by myself with Call of Duty, I either completely mute myself, which I don't like because I can still hear other people talking, or I'll actually create a private party just with me in it so I don't have to listen to other people. But see if these, while a great concept... It's great if you have a core group of four or five people that you can play with. But, you know, if if because if you're on a ship and you're doing your thing, people can just board your ship and start working, you know, the guns or whatever. And if you hop off of the helm to go do something else, well, they can just hop on the helm and just take the ship wherever the hell they want. 
So love uh, the concept, not a big fan of the execution. I'm with you, Scott, on the the whole strangers with like modern day gaming thing. Yeah. Because like playing modern warfare, like if I'm on by myself, I've had several times where it just sounded like somebody was eating their microphone. Like it just sounded <laughs> like they were chewing on it. And I'm like, what is that noise? No, I mean like crunching, like literal crunching. And uh, I don't know if I can do that here. Let's, let's see. I can. Please don't try. Don't break your mic. <laughs> then there was uh, there was the time I was playing modern modern warfare, or, uh, Call of Duty World War Two, and there was a guy camping. And another guy threatened to steal his identity and put it on the dark web. <laughs> so those are like aspects of modern gaming that I do not enjoy with this whole online connectivity of like just listening to these people. And like I had then one day there was like a like a 10 year old singing rap songs. And I'm just like, God, just shut up. Well, that's interesting, Jay, because for the year, for this year so far, anyway, some of the top-selling games are flat-out single-player, story-driven. Uh, say non-online, but there's an online component to them. Uh, stuff like Hogwarts Legacy, uh, Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the Resident Evil 4 remake are, are all in the top 10 best-selling games of this year so far. And those are all single-player story-driven. So the we're not alone on the I don't want to play with strangers online. I just want to play a game by myself crowd. Um, that, 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 is, that is getting a bit of a resurgence, even from last year. If you look at the, the top 10 games from last year, it's a lot of like Call of Duty, Madden, FIFA, um, Elden Ring, which is like an always online kind of thing. Uh, Need for Speed. Now, sorry. Yes. Uh, now, bringing up Elden Ring real okay. quick. Um, that is something I'm going to say I do like with Elden Ring. It's how they handle a shared online community, but it still has a single player feel to it. Okay. So when you're playing that, like you're playing in your own instance, there's not other people really running around doing things, but you can leave notes for other players and you can see notes in yours. Like if you come across an area that's like, hey, you know, there's a really great thing over here. You should check this out. Or if you're looking for this, it's over here. Right. And you'll see these notes. They're like little runes on the ground. It was left by other players, not players you can see. They're in their own instance of the game, but they can leave these notes for everybody to kind of find and see, right? I, I don't know how the game handles it as far as logistics, but I thought it was a really great idea. In execution, it's not that great because you have assholes that leave stupid messages, first and foremost. Yeah. And B, you have a lot of people that leave messages that lead you astray and try to get you killed. Like, yeah. oh, hey, gold over here. And you go over there and there's the monster you can't fight until you're like, you know, 500 hours in. Yeah, that's, that's gamers. That's gamers. People are dicks. People are dicks. Love the idea. But I, I think they forgot who they were dealing with. Just uh, 
pivoting back to your John, your comment about like single player, mm-hmm. like, um, I that's the that's another thing that kind of bugs me is that like I feel like a lot of games now have sort of abandoned their campaign in favor of online multiplayer or like their campaign is bare bones. Now, like I did play through modern warfare two's campaign and it was challenging and intriguing enough for me to keep me interested, but there have been instances where the campaign in a multi in a clearly multiplayer game uh, has just been lackluster. Um, even in the own call in their own Call of Duty series, there's been the campaign that has just been like, eh. Well, yeah, but once again, you're going back to games that that's that's not that's not what they're transitioning to anymore. They don't the their their whole kind of bread and butter is that online thing and that that new format. When it comes to games that are designed to be the single player games, I I think you know like like uh, Hogwarts Legacy has, in my opinion, a really good story. I haven't quite finished it yet because I got sidetracked on other things, but I loved the story on it. The Spider-Man game. I know it came out for PS4, but uh, I, I, I loved the story on it. It felt a little forced in a couple of areas, but I think that was part of what was going on with the whole MCU and Sony and Spider-Man thing at the time of this development. Um, I'm looking forward to the new Spider-Man game. The Jedi Outcast, Jedi Survivor uh, has... A really great core story. There, there's some wonkiness as far as, in my opinion, how they execute a little bit, but good story. Um, what was the other one? The game also has a lot of great features uh, that I yeah. want to give a call out to. In, in, so first of all, yeah, the, the game has uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor in particular. Um, one thing I love is, yes, the, the combat can be a little brutal and unforgiving because that's kind of a trend people are going towards. However, it also gives you the ability to, on the fly, change the difficulty of your game. You can literally walk into a boss fight, pause, change your difficulty, resume yeah. boss fight. Yeah, which I did. Go the boss fight, pause, put the difficulty back up, resume game. Yeah, because I don't, I don't care about... I don't care about mastering the, the combat and being the best combat. I just want to get through the story, so I just want to... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did that, and it was it was good. I love that aspect of it. There is one thing I was going to say this for you on the show, but the, the, there is one feature I wish games like this had, um, because I'm old. Uh, I would love a recap feature, uh, just a quick little hey, here's what happened last time you played. Because uh, sometimes I'll go a month or two without playing a certain game, and I'll fire it. Like, oh, I, I need to, I need to finish that, and I'll pop back in and fire it up and go. Okay, what was I doing? The hell was going, going on? on? Yeah. Who's that guy? I'm confused again. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's one feature I'd like to see is a a recap. Uh, but yeah, the, the 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 game has, and again, I think it's I think we're starting to hit a sweet spot where they've realized we can we can make everybody happier because there are people who you know the the original Jedi Fallen Order was kind of a a make good from. Um, Who's it watching? EA for their bundling of the uh, Star Wars Battlefront series. Um, it's like, okay, here, here, we're going to give you a, a single player, story driven, uh, uh, linear game. Here you go. Here, shut up now. 
and that sold really well. To which they okay, there's a sequel. Oh, oh, we can make money on that. Oh, okay, we'll make another one. Um, God of War Ragnarok was one of the top selling games of last year, and, and is is uh, not far off the top ten for this year. Again, single player, story driven, narrative based. Now they all have some element of of online gaming um, through DLC and skins and weapons and things like that. To again. Uh, to stretch out the life of that game, but their core gameplay is is put the game in, load it, play, and that's that's that's. I'm glad we haven't, because I was really fearful five years ago we, that that kind of game was just going to be dead soon, and everything was going to be all game as a service, massive online, everybody kind of gaming. And I'm glad to see that that we haven't quite got to that yet. Yeah. I also enjoy the more casual online multiplayer as you're seeing pop up a lot more. The like asymmetrical online multiplayer stuff like uh, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, Predator Hunting Grounds. Uh, there's an upcoming um, uh, Texas Chainsaw made by the people who did Friday the 13th. Um, we need to play it more because I keep forgetting I own it, but the Evil Dead uh, uh, game is like that. Games you can pop in, get a group of friends together, play for an hour or two and call it a night and, you know, not feel like you've accomplished nothing uh, or feel like you... They're, they're, I call them party games, even though they're not really a party game. Uh, but it's, it's the kind of game where you get together with a group of friends to play this game. Yeah. And, I, and I enjoy those. The, the more casual online multiplayer stuff. I miss our Friday the 13th nights. Those were fun. Those were... Guess we can all get together and play Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Or yeah, we can exactly. play their hunting grounds. That'd be fun. We can bring that back. We do need to get the Ghostbusters back together and play in uh, Spirits Unleashed on a regular basis again. The problem yeah. I had with Spirits Unleashed was it's it, so it, it it was a game, and this is something that was was what kind of pissed me off. It was a game that's inherently based around a core group of four people, but uh-huh. like every everything that you had to work toward, like everything they gave you to try and work toward, was all solo shit. Like everybody was always more worried about finishing their challenges and everything. Nobody played the game. It did get very heavy to that. Uh, and that's that's one of those again catch twenty two things where, to their credit, when they would bring out you know the the uh, gear shells and stuff, none of it was behind a paywall. Yeah. All you had to do to get it was play the game, but you had to grind out the achievements they came up with to unlock those. So like again catch twenty two like hey I don't have to go spend more money. I was very surprised we didn't have to go spend more money to buy that stuff. Uh, but the flip side is. Go grind this out. And yes, a lot of the challenges they came up with were catch 10 ghosts by yourself. Okay, well, this is a four-player co-op. Yeah, exactly. It's a co-op so, game. 90% of everything they did for challenges and to help you advance was by yourself shit. And we got to the point that every time we got on, I didn't really enjoy when we all got on. and There was a bunch of us because, once again, instead of us getting getting on and playing the game like we did with Friday the 13th where it was us you know, versus whoever was playing Jason, whoever was playing the ghost is like, okay, what achievements do you all need to complete? Okay, I'll be over here. All right, so you go ahead and trap me. You know, I'm like, 
Yeah. Oh, this is this is not what I wanted to spend my Friday or Saturday evening doing. I, I don't I don't want to just sit around helping people grind out achievements or play the game. So that's fair. Yeah. That is fair. You play to win the game. Sorry. Football quote. Okay. Yep, just like the great Tommy Lasorda used to say, we're going to turn this around 360 degrees. Yep, that's the best tackle I've seen since Joe Montana. Sorry, sometimes you guys say things that remind me of sports quotes. Good old sports ball. I love it when my home baseball team gets a good touchdown. Practice. You talking about Brad Stanley Cup? <clears throat> oh, that time that the Cubs won the Heisman—that was great. The I, you know what though? Now that I'm thinking about it, in sports games, so there's a Let's there's a mode on there's a mode on um, MLB the Show called Diamond Dynasty, which is actually a lot of. So you get like cards, like trading cards, but on on your game and they're players just like you would have normal trading cards. And you're trying to make your best lineup. And they're all these like Hall of Famers or like super awesome statted out cards. And then you can make a team and then you can go play other people. One of the most frustrating things and like I'm a competitive person when it comes to sports games. But like I've gotten my butt whooped by people online. I've played online against other people in baseball. I'm like, I think I can hold my own. I can't hold my own a lot of the time. Uh, but there have been a few times where I have been shellacking somebody and they quit out in the middle of the game or like right at the end of the game because they're not going to win. Yeah. And they quit out. Yeah. And luckily you don't lose stats. Like there's no stat loss. So, you know, I give, um, because it's not EA Sports that does MLB The Show. It might be like 2K Sports. It's a different... San Diego Studios? Well, anyway, so they... The good thing about that is you don't lose stats. So, like, if you had, you know, one of your guys... I'll, I'll throw out a name you guys might remember, like Mark McGuire. Let's say you have a Mark McGuire card, and he's playing first base for you, and you, you know... You belt like three home runs with him. He's three for four or whatever. You don't lose the stats for McGuire. Even though the guy quit out halfway through the game. That rat bastard. Yeah, you can't fix people. Yeah. People are gonna people are gonna be terrible. This is true. Uh I'm more Confused about why the singer from Sugar Ray is playing baseball. But, okay. Mark Mark McGuire? Yeah, the lead singer from, from Sugar Ray. No. No, did not. Didn't Mark McGuire play for the Oakland A's at one point way back when? Yeah, with Jose Canseco. They were the Bash Jose brothers. Canseco, yes. yes. And then he I got, remember. and I don't know if he signed or got traded to the Cardinals, but then in like, it was like 90, ooh, maybe 98, 99. Yeah. Somewhere in there, he, he and Sammy Sosa were having the home run battle. 
it was a big, it was like big in baseball at the time because they were both chasing um, Roger Maris's 61 number. I mean, I never followed baseball because I was never big into sports. It just wasn't me. But when I was in grade school, around sixth to eighth grade, something like around sixth grade is when it kind of started, I guess. You know, I had baseball cards growing up because family would buy me baseball cards. I'd get them here and there. And so I had. I don't know how many baseball cards I had, but I had a little little set of baseball cards. And around sixth grade, I guess it became popular with us in school because everybody was, you know, big into baseball cards. And in an effort to try and somewhat fit in with the, the my peers and people around me and the guys and everything, I basically went home, looked at my baseball cards, looked at who I had the most of. And that became my player and who I was collecting and who my team was. And that was, at the time, Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco. My favorite clip of Jose Canseco is there's a fly ball, and I can't remember if he played left, right, or center. I just know he played outfield. There's a fly ball to the outfield, and he's going back to try to make the catch. And it bounces off his head because he missed the catch. And it bounces off the top of his head over the wall. Home run. I think I remember that. I remember seeing that. Now, I didn't see it when it happened. I just think I've seen that clip since then. Because I couldn't tell oh. you. I, I just know he played for the A's. I couldn't tell you what position he did, nor did I ever see a game he played in. Oh, he he got bonked off the head. He was an outfielder for the A's. But, yeah, that is, if you've ever seen a clip of Jose Canseco, or, like, if you ever, if you just get on YouTube and look up Jose Canseco blooper, it's probably going to be the number one hit. It is hilarious. He's going back, and it just bounces right off the top of his head. His teammates cracked up. Like, even though it was a home run, his teammates were dying because they're just like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But, yeah, Mark McGuire played for the A's, and then he played the bulk of his career that people remember him for is with the Cardinals. All right. I miss steroid baseball from the 90s. I know they were cheating, but, man, could they hit home runs. Well, and therein lies the point, and somebody I heard somebody said this, and it's a good point. It's stuck in my head all the time. You give me, let's say you give me steroids, right? Like you roid me up. Like I am, I am bulked up. I'm doing the protein powder. I have got muscles. I can bench 750 tons. You know, I'm just, ah, I'm all on steroids, right? You put right. me in front of a major league pitcher. I am not hitting that ball. No. And that's like that's that's a good point. You still have to be able to hit the ball. And that's what everybody everybody who argues in favor of Barry Bonds. Oh, you're going to hear me on a sports tirade right now. Everybody who's in favor of Barry Bonds. They're all like they say the same thing. Well, you still have to be able to hit a major league pitcher. You still have to be able to to hit. And, And I'm like, okay, yes, yes, I'll give you that. I will give you that Barry Bonds still needs to be able to hit a major league pitcher to be able to hit the home runs that he hit. But at the same time, you went from a guy that could steal 30 bases and hit 30 home runs to a guy that would never steal a base, and all he was doing was swinging as hard as he could to try to launch the ball as far as he could. I've seen stats, like things pop up on my Facebook all the time where it's like, oh, Barry Bonds had however many hits and so many plate appearances. It's because intentional walks don't count as plate appearances. Every time Barry Bonds would come up to bat – they would just intentionally walk him because they knew the guy after him couldn't hit for shit. 
And then you get these pitchers that have that machismo, you know, and they're like, I'm going to pitch to Barry Bonds. And that's when he would hit his home runs. And I, I, yes, he still needed to hit the ball. I understand that. He still needed to be able to see the ball, hit the ball. I get that. But my God, I, that guy, he does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. There definitely needs to be a star next to his number for how many home runs he hit. I mean, friggin' Hank Aaron did it without roids. That guy just had a long career, and that's how he got so many home runs in his career. But friggin' Barry Bonds, just look at him from, like, mid-'90s Barry Bonds. The dude was like a toothpick. Well, I mean, he wasn't a toothpick. He was still a professional athlete. But then he looked, he turned into a friggin' Macy's Day float. Like... Oh, God, I hate Barry Bonds. You, you I realize so I, I have no idea who you're talking about, right? Barry Bonds? You don't know Barry Bonds? Oh. I may have heard the name somewhere. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm assuming he's a baseball player based off of the you know what you're talking yeah, about. He, runs, he, but. he played his, I think he played his whole career with the Giants, but he started his career as like a center fielder, like a speedy center fielder that could steal bases and actually hit the ball. And then at the end of his career, all he did was try to hit the ball as hard and as far as he could because all he was doing was chasing home runs. And he is the quote-unquote single-season home run record holder with, I think, 72 or three home runs in a season. At this point, I'm just curious how long John's going to let us talk about baseball before he tries to bring us back on topic. You guys all talking? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm 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 uploading last week's show. Sorry. <clears throat> what you don't want? This isn't this isn't you know, baseball. Uh, no, why wouldn't we talk about baseball in the '90s in steroids and the age of fighting sale in our episode about modern video gaming? Why wouldn't we talk about those topics? I know. As long Sorry. as we're on the same page. As long as yeah, we're on the yeah, same no, page, yes, yeah, no. fine. Yeah. Sorry, oh. sorry, John. Sorry. <laughs> So let's bring this episode home. And guys, let's go around the horn here and tell me what is a trend you'd like to see come back or introduced to modern video gaming. Oh, I had something for this. Then we started talking about baseball. Uh, <laughs> shit, what the hell was it? Oh, damn it. I had, I had one. I'm serious. I had something I wanted to see. I wanted to see more of or come back. And then, ah, what the hell was it? Oh, I know. It's not something I really want to see come back. Because I don't think it ever really had its heyday in gaming. Okay? It's something that's been here and there. It's sporadic. It's hit and miss. It, it Something hits and it's there. And then, then we don't see it anymore. It's hit and it's there. Something we need more of is games or games that are 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 centered around co-op play completely. And I don't mean like Diablo co-op because Diablo is not really fully co-op. You know, you 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 just you're just all still doing kind of your thing and stuff. I mean stuff like like Gears of War was was centered around, you know, two players, right? Because it was your army your, of two. Army of two. Yeah. The uh, the 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 Star Trek co-op game, which was very fun to play co-op, but a story mode that is co-op, you know, something that is designed from the ground up to be played with two, three, four, you know, you know, people going 
going through the campaign mode, not just online missions and stuff like that, but I mean going through the story. That is something I would like to see. And John, you brought up one um, uh, the other day uh, that, that, that has intrigued me, which was the, the new uh, uh, Warhammer 40K game, which seems to be designed to be played campaign, story-driven, not online play, but up to up to three players co-op, which I yep. find odd that it's three players. But yeah, I think that'll be fun to play through. If there were Isn't only that crazy three awesome of- that there's a game built around a co-op campaign for exactly three people where you can customize your loadouts and fight waves of aliens. Isn't that cool that a game's finally coming out like that? I agree. I agree. But about time, right? But but you see you see what I'm saying that you don't yes, you, yes. It's, it's not it's not all the time. It's it's like one hits like every three, four years something comes out. But I would like to see more of that. Well, riding the co-op train that Scott has put us on. Um the thing I want to see come back, and this is something I didn't realize was it, it's fucking dead. It's dead. Um, a game that purports to have it, uh, me and Whitney found out the hard way, really doesn't have it. Uh, you remember couch co-op? Sitting on the same couch, playing a game at the same time, on the same screen, you know, like Diablo 3. Yeah. When they claimed Diablo 4 would be couch co-op, and like me and we were like, oh, cool, we can bring back Diablo couch date night. That'll be fun. We'll make characters and play together. And I'll yell at Whitney for having too many... Uh, minion spawned on the screen, and she'll yell at me for shooting stuff for me to get to it. Oh, the good old days. No, to do couch co-op now, Whitney has to go on and create a Battle Pass account. Because God forbid anyone play the game without setting up a fucking Blizzard account. Um, so yeah, bring back couch co-op. Just casual co-op in gaming. The whole... Player two hits, you know, press select to, to start game. Remember those days? Remember those days? Player two is after the game. Yeah, bring that shit back. But you have to go to work. Player two has left the game. <laughs> That's what I want back. Uh, yeah, the days. That's interesting. Ooh. Oh, I forgot about that. Is that out? Jay, you? I don't know. I just feel like everything I want in a game is not going to be in modern gaming. Like, I know that there's games out there that are designed that are just, like, story-driven campaign games that you could play by yourself. I know those exist and are out there. I just, I want games that do have a multiplayer element to go back to the core of your game is the campaign. Like, and I know we've brought it up a lot in the show today, but Call of Duty. When Call of Duty first came out, it was the campaign. Like, it was a World yeah. War II game. Like, yeah. the original that's Call all there was. Because yeah. you started out with landing on uh, Normandy, right? Yeah, and then you worked your way through World War II. Same with, um, oh, what was the other one? Medal of Honor. Yeah, oh, the Medal of Honor games. Oh, yeah, they were good. Medal of Honor was a great one. And then, like, Medal of Honor tried to make a modern warfare-type game, and it just fell through. But um, I did play it. It was I enjoyed it. Uh, But that's what I want. I want games that have a multiplayer component 
to still focus on the story. Like there are still some of us and and I know that, you know, the consumers a lot of consumers want the skins, they want the DLC, they want all the online stuff. They could give two shits less about the campaign. But there are still people out there that play the games for the campaign first and then yeah. do the multiplayer. Sadly though, they're not where the money is. I know. I just I just want a balance of both. Like I would just and and Modern Warfare 2 did a good job. I never played the the re-release of Modern Warfare from 19, 2019, like the the first one. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to, I would like to play that one and see what the campaign is like because that's what I want is a balance between the two. Is the campaign fun and is the multiplayer fun? Like he wants can to we have, have his cake and eat it too? You know, yeah, I just want this. both aspects. That's I'll, it. I'll be honest, Jay, when you said something about after we when we all kind of got called in the Modern Warfare 2, you know, here in the last couple of months and we started or started playing it and stuff. And then you made mention one day, yeah, I was finishing up the campaign or I was playing the campaign. Like I was like, it, it has a campaign. Oh, it's fucking yeah. buried under that I, I terrible didn't. UI. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it had a campaign. I had no idea where to find it. <laughs> oh, no. The campaign like it's a good camp. I like the different styles that you have to go through in the campaign, but I'm in, I'm with John. If I don't want to be a sniper, don't make me a sniper. Um, but like you, there are different modes that like you had, it uses, it makes you use your brain in different ways. Like I was explaining to John, there was a mission where you're just watching, um, a CCTV camera and like, you have to switch cameras and you have to get your guy to go when it's clear and like he has to take out targets on your command. And so like, you're not actually actively killing them, but you have to think tactically, which I thought was kind of cool. So I would, I just like more balance. That's it. I just want a little more balance. Well, there you go. That's our thoughts on the current state of modern gaming Trends we love, trends we hate, trends we want to see come back, a few we, we want to see die horrible watery graves. Uh, also, our thoughts on the Age of Fighting sale and, uh, you know, steroid era baseball, because that's this show. If we stayed on topic, we wouldn't be your weekly nerd alert.